my time at the foundry I think was I would call it like an apprenticeship phase for me where I was learning on the job and I was exposed to so much and you know I, I've, I've, I, I was able to travel to Russia to Israel to you know like islands in the Philippines um, and I, I've never like I, every now and then I'll look back at pictures and I'll be like man that's that's a little kid from southeast London you know just kind of figured it out and got got a good break you know I, I've got this thing when you're too comfortable it's time for a change one of the beautiful things about freelance is that I don't get that comfort anymore I don't get I don't I don't lapse I don't kind of get too comfortable at any one company it's always you know go 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 in, in this industry knowing your value is paramount to um, not being taken to being exploited or taken advantage of uh, one thing with freelancing I'll say is that year zero like I call it year zero but the first year of freelancing is always the scariest because you don't actually know a how much you're gonna make and B is it gonna be consistent work are you gonna have enough money to that like, pay you know your regular bills and stuff like that So, welcome to the VFX Artist Podcast. This week we have Courtney Price, Senior Compositor, and we're going to talk about his career, which is quite long and varied and quite exciting. So, how are you doing, Courtney? Oh, good. Howdy. Nice to meet you. Nice to, uh, you know, get a chance to talk to you guys. I've been a fan of your work for a, for a while, actually. I've been seeing the work that you and Kofi have been doing for this VFX Artist Podcast. It's great, man. And, uh, yeah, need more of it. More more, more kind of content like this is uh, needed. So, you guys are doing a service I personally wish there was something like this around when I was first getting started into the industry. So what actually I suppose it was FXPHD, but you know, probably a bit more localized. Um FXPHD I remember has especially back in the day, mm -hmm. um, it really had that tight knit community. I feel like mm -hmm. it's still got good content, but it's not got that tight community that it used to have. I think everyone's mm -hmm. sort of moved on to social media and things. So we're trying to hopefully get a bit of that sort of vibe yeah. going again. So tell us a bit about yourself. What are you doing now? What are you up to? Um, at the moment, freelancing. Um, I've been pretty much since I left the foundry, I've been freelancing. So that's been like my bread and butter. I am trying out some other uh, ventures where, you know, I'm doing a bit of creative direction, kind of trying to um, get some ideas off the ground, creating pitches, trying to find new new markets to kind of pitch skills like, you know, branding and marketing and that sort of stuff too. But I mean, to be honest with you, that's kind of like a, secondary side uh, kind of endeavor that I do in between parenting and my regular day job and you know the other bits and pieces so it's not my it's like my full-time job is just freelance compositing so I'm a new artist and uh, yeah I'm just, just wrapping up at, um, well, <laughs> when I say just um, that's kind of like the thing that I've been doing for majority that's the that's the most um, not consistent but the most that's kind of like the baseline of me if that makes sense as i'm getting into my later years um i'm trying to see what else i could do so at the moment yeah this is where this is where this is the bread and butter okay cool so um so what's your background how did you get into the industry yeah so i went to university hertfordshire uni um this was before they had any kind of like vfx programs and um i was there i'd done a media course so funny enough, i mean i tell this story um because i come out of college and the only thing that i'd done in college i've done like business and you know like information technology and all that sort of stuff the only thing that i had done that actually kept my attention was media 
and I edited a music video and I was like, right, I could do this for hours and not get bored. And I was like, right, well, career-wise, I need to do a job where I'm not going to get bored or that, you know, want to, you know, just not pay attention to it. So I went to university, done an IT course, which was all very super technical programming. I'd go to lessons, fall asleep, wake up, fall back asleep again. And it was all just like, I can't do this for another four years. So I changed into this media course. And it was quite varied. It was like quite early days in IT. Um, we got to touch a bit of everything, a bit of music, a bit of like Flash, a bit of, um, you know, like After Effects, um, Photoshop, Dreamweaver, editing, DVD offering. So it, was, it, was, it kind of opened up my eyes to a lot of things. So then from that, um, as towards I was getting, got towards the end of that um, uh, course, um, they started saying, oh, you got to go out to town and be a runner. you got to go out to London and be a runner to try and get into the industry and work your way up. So the year before my final course, summertime, went into, I found a, um, an internship in um, Newman Street, a company called TV Set. They were partnered with, or they had two sister companies called Arena P3, and um, it was called London, London something, London Post or something like that. But it changed to Concrete, like it got bought out called, called Concrete yeah. later on. That's cool. For those of us, for our yeah. audience that aren't in the UK, do you want to just like give us a run of what a runner yeah. actually is? Because I don't think that term yeah. is used everywhere. Okay, so then a the runner is. Um, for the lack of a better term, it's kind of like a intern or a, a, um, a kind of like a, an entry point to, I mean, it's, if, if, if we're going to be brutally honest, so let's just keep it funky. Yeah. Like, um, you're a team, <laughs> like you're doing, you're doing the, the odd jobs. You're doing the stuff that, you know, the, the actual artists or the, the operators or the management don't want to do, you know, you do the shopping, you're making the teas, you're, um, you know, I was a van driver. So I was like taking digibeaters around to other companies, um, you know, DVD duplications, um, posting, delivering, uh, you know, things that, digibeaters and whatnot to other people, library login tapes, um, that sort of stuff. So you wasn't an operator. You wasn't actually an artist. You wasn't actually getting on the kit. But back then, um, there wasn't much desktop software available. So these systems, so this was like non-linear editing days where they had the big machines where they, you know, cut and paste and like, you know, like actually cut and edit like reels and stuff like that. And then they had the telecines with the big machines where they flash the light and, you know, just like kind of like massive, like these are massive uh, suites that they're charging hundreds of pounds an hour for rental, you know, and this is when you get the flame operators that were like the rock stars and, you know, you've got fancy suites, you've got all the fancy stuff that people are getting for their lunches and whatnot. And, you know, you get the drinks, the alcohol, they're working late at the night, they're having all their parties and, you know, it's that kind of um, rock and roll era where, you know, a lot of stuff happened that, you know, yeah. So like, basically it was all a bit for me to kind of get my foot in the door. I had to, um, yeah, like a runner, you just kind of just kind of hang around and shadow and hopefully hope somebody would take you under their wing and actually kind of take you in as an apprentice and show you stuff. So anyway, I saw that side of the game. Um, you know, again, media, I started I started getting exposed to like, my, you know, grading was kind of like the, the first thing, but I knew how to edit um, through my course. Um, grading was a new concept to me. I thought that was interesting. And then like the flame and the smoke operating was kind of like a bit of a mixture of the two. 
Um, I was cool. I was cool with Photoshop, which was, I would say is my, my entry point into actually compositing. If 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 I'm honest, and then like I go back, finish my final year of university. I come. Um, so now I've I'm, I'm I've got what I would consider a decent amount of skills because I'm using desktop software at home. I'm using the Adobe Suite. Some, you know, I'm using like Sony Vegas and like things. I'm putting together like product like the DVDs and stuff like that. Like, I'm putting things together, and I'm like right you know i can come back and uh, come back and be a runner again but that's not a career you know what i mean like, i don't want to be waiting on somebody to give me an opportunity to start you know and 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 then there's a whole kind of politics of it like oh he's been here for longer and he's favored or he's a son of such and such and you know it's just i i, I got disillusioned about it all so i kind of um you know one time one of my bosses you know i don't want to get yeah, yeah it, it's a long story but but bottom line, I said, you know what, this isn't working for me. I need to, I need to actually get on with my career. I can't be wasting time because I'm doing long, long shifts and all that. So, um, one of my friends that worked with me, she went on to get a prod, a job at a, um, a boutique company called Big Boy, who's still around now. And she said, oh, look, there's a runner position for you here. And this was when Big Boy was a small company, probably about 10, 20 people. And, um, maybe even less than that probably about 10 people and uh, they're in like a basement of uh agency called red brick road um i came in done a trial gave me the job and i would say because it was a small boutique company that's when i was doing a bit of everything i was in the v team machine room i was helping out with editing um you know like logging clips and stuff like that um my uh one of my bosses jim allen um he was he was like the the flame hop the, the you know the super the rock star flame hop at the company he was co-owner and um he kind of took a he, he would show me little bits of flame and um i'll be like oh okay this is quite cool and obviously you know basically like he ended up giving me a copy of shake um or at least giving me a, a you know a, a copy of my shake on the machine that i used um to kind of do do bits and pieces for them like their showroom and whatnot and that's when i started and then also that uh the ron brinkman book digital arts yeah. and whatnot and um that in the fx phd courses and through that, that's pretty much how I started compositing. That's when I first, you know, got it, got my hands dirty, started playing around with bits and pieces. Oh, you got it. There you go. I the got digital it. art I and science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The art and science of digital compositing. That's where I got it. That's the Bible. We're, that we're was it. Do a, a sort of heads up, we're going to do a book club um, as a sort of extra okay. thing. So I might get you back on and talk about okay. the book a bit. That'd be yeah. quite fun. Yeah, anyway, well, it's been a, it's been a um, while, but yeah, we'll, we'll be happy to you know <laughs> talk about that again. Um, and what else? Uh, so I suppose from there, um, again, you reach a ceiling or you reach a point where all right, there's only three suites in the company. They've got three artists. They free they get freelancers in. You're doing odds and sods. You're staying back late to try and learn bits and pieces. Um, also, I had, I had a training pro, uh, uh, DVD from Adobe. No, it was Apple at the time. Was it Apple? Yeah, I think it was Apple yeah, that owned Shake, was Apple, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, and that was kind of like taking me through Shake. It was giving me a lot. When of, is this? Like two thousand early four five, just before they yeah. sold it, like just before they cancelled or killed the Shake software, and then they yeah. started to get into. So I was probably like the year or two before that that that, that, that software got killed. So um, we did the same thing. We both learned shape just before they killed it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I mean, the concepts were there. The core concepts were there. But I didn't really know any shape artists. Like you know, the commercials world where I kind of was 
you know, cutting my teeth. That was all flame op, you know, smoke operators. Um, so, anyways, uh, I'll get then get off, you know, I'll get you know, disillusioned at that company as well. I find uh, I then go and work at Deluxe Digital London. Uh, they give me a role as like a, um, as a digital artist this time. And instead of like being a runner, I'm now because obviously from from a runner, I kind of work my way up to an edit assistant and a, a comp with flame assistant and all that sort of stuff. But um, it I just wanted to be on the box. I wanted to do the stuff all day long. Like that's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be you know getting pulled here, there, and everywhere to do other other people's um, you know uh, other 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 odds and sods that wasn't really as creative or wasn't the best use of my talent or my skills I think um so anyways did did deluxe digital London my boss Ross Weatherall uh, Weatherall um hired me uh, gave me a role as digital artist there so we're working on film uh, films now um I'm uh, I'm using combustion I'm using um uh, a bit of After Effects I'm using um what is it flair is that what's it there was a um yeah they they tried to make yeah flair that it was just a compy bit of flame yeah and they had a they had a um there was another grading version spot mm, i don't lustra? know there was another lustra that's the one yeah lustra so he was doing a bit of that on there um and uh what else uh there was a bit of cinema 4d so they taught us 3d because some of the titles started getting into that sort of stuff learned about um uh anaglyph uh 3d you know like the um yeah. stereoscopic. The, the stereoscopic 3d about that whilst i was there and it and and so it got to the point when combustion was getting phased out wasn't getting updated one or two uh and we had to switch into a new software and that was when um we had mm, toxic nuke and i think there was a third one fusion fusion that's it all three of them came in to kind of give us a demo and stuff like that and i think nuke was the one that i took a shine to because i knew a new shake and that was the one that i kind of picked up quite easily and i was like oh, okay this all makes sense to me this is fairly familiar and um so then the the the, the you know I'm, I'm working at deluxe digital london on these film titles and um, then the i see the opportunity coming up for the foundry as a you know a creative specialist but then they wanted a list of skills and expertise, you know, they wanted to do wanted to a bit of grading, a bit of this, a bit of that. And it's so wide that I thought, you know what, this is crazy, but let me just take a punt anyways. So I've gone in and I've met um, my boss there, it's Paddy, uh, I forget his last name, um, but he was like the sales manager. And, you know, I'm because obviously during my career, I've kind of absorbed and picked up loads of bits and pieces. I don't know how to do it all, but I've been exposed to a lot, you know, so I could take, I, I know, I know I'm, I'm, I was the one that had to figure out like the R3D pipeline at Big Boy because HD wasn't there. And, you know, these, these the, the clips were too big to um, get taken into the Avid suite. So, you know, the, 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 um, then there's the color spaces that come along with that. And, you know, there's a whole technical kind of pipeline stuff that I had to kind of get up to speed with. And I was quite aware of different parts of the production, like, you know, the end-to-end -end production pipeline. And then I've got the film side of things as well. So now I'm understanding, you know, scans and film LUTs and deliveries and, you know, um, that, and, and then, and then region, like, you know, sending things out to different regions. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of, stuff on there that i've absorbed so i've gone into the interview kind of blurted out you know I, I, you know blacked out a little bit i just started waffling as i'm probably doing now and um 
bottom line, uh, Patrick was like, Paddy Patrick, um, he was like, uh, you know what, you're the first guy that's come in that actually knows any of the stuff. I was like, wow, okay. Um, that's surprising to me. Uh, so then, you know, second interview, and he said, you know what, we like you. I've got uh, Matt Breeley and Naz Parker came along. They kind of, um, you know, gave me a second interview, um, gave me the lowdown of the role. Next week, you know, I was, I was part of the foundry and um, this was when they were in Leicester Square. So at the top of communications building. So this was after they bought Mari. And that's another thing during, whilst I was at Big Boy and Deluxe, I was very big on FX PhD. So I saw all of the, the foundry coverage that they would get in. I saw when Jack Greasley, you know, and, and, and Bill Collis first talked about the Mari acquisition and that sort of paint software. And I understood the concept of, of, of texturing. And then, you know, Nuke's obviously the bread and butter and I'm, I'm seeing all the developments with the camera tracking and the, um, was it, it, it there was there was it was kind of like, it was like a geo tracker but it was like it was one in between on 6.3 or 6.2 um i remember the demo with the fountain where they kind of like putting the cards in place and stuff <laughs> like that it, it, it might have been geo um yeah anyways it was one of those geo uh, point cloud builder nodes or whatever um and uh basically yeah i started at the foundry and they were like well look you know you know comp you know like the industry you know the stuff but we'll teach you the software and pretty much and you know i, I was comfortable with it but i didn't know in and out there's a bunch of things that i was new to um even like especially like the cg side of things and um you know floating color space or floating floating uh floating point uh you know data and um the different color spaces that were baked into the and the viewer nuts versus the comps but you know there was a whole technical side of it that i wasn't really exposed to and they kind of yeah, they kind of just, uh, even the 3D side of things, like being able to project and, you know, uh, manipulate 3D objects. And, you know, there was a whole bunch of stuff that I wasn't exposed to. So they were like, we'll teach you all that. And uh, they took me on. And pretty much since then, I've not looked back. I was there for like five years, um, traveled the world, uh, met a whole bunch of different companies. Um, like I think I joined about 6.2, 6.3. And um, yeah, got it all the way up to Nuke 10, Nuke Studio, that was got released probably a year or two before. Um, yeah, and then so then Katana and Flix and all of that sort of stuff came along, um, even Modo whilst I was at the company. So yeah, uh, and being a creative specialist is basically, uh, so you're kind of like a bridge between the consumer or the, 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 the end user and the, 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 dev, the dev team, like the, the developers and the product, product um, yeah, the, the engineers. So a lot of my role would be going on the road, explaining to people how it works with the sales team and, you know, what new new tools and things we're working on and stuff like that. And in those meetings, you've probably been in a couple of them yourself. Uh, you'd get a bunch of feedback from other new artists that have been like, well, look, we've been using this for so long. This doesn't work and this doesn't work. And, blah, blah, blah. and you know, you, you collate all this information, you go back to the office and you have your meetings and you're like, look, this and this and this is what's needed. But then obviously the, the foundry, they were bought they you know they had um uh, they were bought up by venture capitalists and they had these like lifespans of when they wanted to sell the company and you know they had their kind of priorities in terms of like the glossy stuff that would drive sales so it was always a battle well not a battle but it was kind of like a negotiation between what the end user wants and 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 what would drive new customers so it was keeping the you know the, the two happy and um yeah, so that was that was something that was always going, and then you know the the we'd we'd get the we'd be beta testers for the new releases, and we'd um 
we create content, we'd show people trading materials, we'd go onto these trade shows, we'd, um, you know, it was basically the face of the company, uh, that's us and our team, uh, that's how it was described. And, um, yeah, and, and then when they got purchased the last time, um, again, like I said, a lot of things change. And I started to like, I felt that I'd reached a bit of a ceiling there as well as comfortable. And, you know, I've got this thing when you're too comfortable, it's time for a change because you get, well, me personally, I, you know, I'm, I'm liable to get complacent, you know, I'm liable to, you know, not cut, not cut corners, but just kind of get too um, cozy and not, not drive, not have the passion, not have the kind of the, um, the, the yeah, the drive to push further. So uh, I decided to go freelancing and one of the beautiful things about freelance is that I don't get that comfort anymore. I don't get, I don't, I don't lapse. I don't kind of get too comfortable at any one company. It's always, you know, go, go, go. And you're always on the, and I, and I actually think I work better under pressure. Like, so I think, uh, you know, I, I, I like being on, I mean, obviously there's a balance and being a freelancer, I can take time out before I burn out, you know, so I, I can, I can manage that myself, but I do like the fact that I can, you know, I can kind of go into crunch mode and just get my head down, get a task done or get a, a, a project or a, a gig or a, a window done. And then, you know, um, go on to the next thing or take a bit of time out if I need it, you know? So yeah, that's my career. It's a journey. I don't know. That might have been a whole 30 minutes. Or... No, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, so, yeah. um, Okay, so that was your first time freelancing. You, it was you. It was a deep yeah. dive. You'd not freelanced before. You'd always been no, employed. no. I'd, I'd, yeah, been always employed. I mean, I'd, I'd done like little freelancing gigs for people outside of the industry. So, you know, somebody wants a, uh, an intro sequence made, or somebody wants you know a DVD made, or you know, like I've done little bits and pieces outside of um, outside of the industry, but not. A, freelancer here's my card or like is you know give me a call i'll jump on the seat for a but, a, a but then i guess seat. when you when you left foundry you kind of knew everyone right like you knew all the yes so all the leads. that that was that was uh that was one of the things that gave me confidence to jump out was the the, the network that i built up through working at the foundry um like I said, I I traveled to like probably about thirty different countries with them. Uh, in London, um, we'd we'd seen every like big post house. You met artists that then moved on to super roles and head of department roles and stuff like that. So you kind of build these relationships, and that network definitely helped gave me confidence to go freelancing. Matter of fact, it was I get his name Pete Hodsman at the mill. He was he was the one that gave me my first freelancer gig and then after that it was electric theater Co collective that um harry oh, I want to get harry jones and um james belch they gave me my first kind of like gig after the mill and you know after that not not, not look back I, I know pete and i worked with pete yeah yeah <laughs> solid guy man pete. yeah definitely yeah. and i and, and one of the things i'd say is that with my career or my journey you know i i definitely don't forget those gestures or those people, those people that have, I, in my mind, they're taking a chance because to, to, I mean, you know, not to get too political, but none of them know me from Adam and, you know, they, they don't know whether I'm, you know, I can do the job or not, you know what I mean? And yeah, I can show them a showreel or I can show them, but a lot of the time, if, 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 um, even though I can, you know, we can have these conversations about the thing, what am I like under pressure? What am I like on the day? Can I, do I turn up and perform? And 
you know, anybody that's ever kind of given it a shot and said, you know what, he's all right, I'll, I'll give it a go. I've always remembered that because, you know, could could quite easily have not, you know. Absolutely. So how did you find going back into production after, what, five years of being a product um, manager? So, You know what, um, I mean, it was daunting and don't get me wrong. Like, oh, so uh, one thing with freelancing I'll say is that year zero, like I call it year zero, but the first year of freelancing is always the scariest because you don't actually know, A, how much you're going to make and B, um, uh, like, is it going to be consistent work? Are you going to have enough money to like pay, you know, your regular bills and stuff like that? Um, so year, year zero is the scariest. Um, but once you build up that buffer, and the way I see it is that if you can get a, like four clients, um, four different, if you can kind of figure out four different clients to give you at least two to three months work each per year, you're, you're good, you're good. And then you should be able to just rinse and repeat. Um, and then hopefully next year you add another client. So, you know, you, you can kind of, if you, if you, if ultimately, if you've got a, a, a um, kind of like a data or like a, a, um, a database or a Rolodex or whatever you want to call it of about eight different companies that would give you work and are happy to get you back in and do, do a job. If you can rotate around those, those for a year, you, you've, you, you're good. Like you've got a steady income at that point. Um, especially in, in as a new artist and in our kind of thing, there's always work out there. And, and um, so, yeah, I was, it was intimidating and don't get me wrong. I wasn't like smashing it straight away. I wasn't like a wizard or like, I knew, I knew a lot of things technically that a lot of people didn't know about the software. Um, but uh, in terms of actually doing the job and being like, let's say, you know, painting, paint work, like, uh, you know, are you a good painter? Like, um, how's you, how's you, how's you tracking? Like, can you track this short? Like, you know, there's, there's, there's always been things that I've not, that I've taken time to get better at that has just been through the course of the freelancing. Um, but, uh, like things like the VR, one of the uh, ocular, uh, no, is it Oculus? No, ocular. No, that was the, that was the stereoscopic one. What was the VR? Cara. There we go. Sorry. Yeah. So Cara, before I left, um, that was like the new thing. And because I was one of the people that helped, you know, get that developed and I understood it technically, I was able to help out on a couple of projects at the mill for that, like the VR, when it's first stitching plates together and, you know, so forth. Yeah, I was helping. And then even at the, 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 uh, at the, um, at electric theater, I was working on stuff like that. So there was things that I knew that was to my advantage, but then the regular tips and tricks of everyday comping, that's what I had to learn and had to get up to speed with. So, and, and you know, I was never, um, I was never too uh, shy to admit or kind of like, just be like, oh, you know what, I might be struggling here or, oh, yeah, sorry, that took a bit longer than it should have. I'll, you know, I'll, 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 I'll pick it up next time. And, you know, that sort of stuff. So, yeah, uh, it was, it, it, it's definitely, it was definitely a learning process, but I always believed in, probably myself more so like I always thought you know what if figure it out like you'll, 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 you'll figure it out kind of thing you know and I know you've got kids did you have kids when you started freelancing or was that after? no so my children are, are, are covid babies <laughs> so <laughs> they were born um so Kenya um my eldest she was born in 20 November 2019 um and uh Cisco he was born in like a year and a, a year and a year, like about a year and a half ago. So, um, yeah, the, that was so during that whole period of time, I think it was like my mid twenties when I left, we left Foundry. Um, yeah, I've been 
freelancing up until then and it was you know i was able to do it quite easily but up until now this is when you know with the children now and you know juggling my, my it, it's less about trying to i don't know like i think my priorities have shifted a bit with with the children you know you know i think um i need to I, my aspirations are, are a bit different you know absolutely you just need to yeah. provide that stability and sometimes there's not that obsessive yes quality yes because you have a, a concrete focus definitely and uh, all those long hours and those things that you was willing to go above and beyond to do because you actually enjoy the job and you you know you're that all has to kind of become secondary now you know you kind of have to focus on yourself if, and even the longevity of your career um i always said to myself previously that this wasn't a career that i could do in my 50s and 60s um but now i think well when i say career i mean the artist like being on the machine um maybe something in the career yeah in, in the industry yeah great I'd, you know i'd love to be able to uh take take a a less hands-on role probably I'd, but i'd still want to be creative i wouldn't want to just be on spreadsheets and emails all day um but uh at the same time um i think with the children it's kind of like I, I i can't be on the machine locked in a dark room for like till nine o'clock at night or any every other weekend do you know what i mean that that when you get into the 50s or 40s 50s or 60s you kind of have to shift that focus a little bit so um i i, I but I think what's some of the changes that have happened recently um, has has helped extend the longevity of the industry because people are talking more, people are being a bit more open about, you know, um, uh, earnings and 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 what you should be earning and what what um what isn't what isn't acceptable for a work life balance and what isn't. Um, so so those things are coming to the forefront and hopefully that will kind of keep talent around for longer. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a really big, uh, a big point because you can't always just recycle the next batch of, you know, 19 year olds, exactly. by 27, they're burnt out and then yep. start again. Yeah. I mean, if you want a professional industry, you want to keep people going until, you know, in some exactly. role until they retire. Yeah. And especially when with the, with the, uh, the amount of knowledge and experience you gather during that 10 year period, you know, that uh, is, yeah. that's, I'm, I mean, yeah. stuff comes back as well, doesn't it? I mean, like yeah. I, I found that as we move to 4K and bigger, uh -huh. some of the proxy workflows that you used yep. to have way back on Shake, just yep. for yep. 2K, that used to be yep. a big thing. And they kind of went away. The machines got really powerful. Mm. You're banging out HD and 2K. You don't mm -hmm. think about proxies anymore. Mm -hmm. and suddenly, yeah. we, we need proxies again. again or we're not going to get this done. Yeah. And, you know, some of that knowledge suddenly like makes it like makes it come back and it will make 100%. it come back you know because the resolutions are always getting bigger and you're doing these big displays uh 64k it. or it. crazy stadiums and things, yeah so. yeah nice no, exactly I, I and and you know one of the things one of the things that has always kind of been a bit of a not a pain but it's, it's been a bit i've always kind of acknowledged it and been and, and felt that you know something that's not right is is seeing burnout like seeing colleagues that you know are damn talented damn skilled and they're just like yeah you know what i can't you know i i can't do it or i'm taking time out or i'm going to another industry and it's just like you know you guys are losing like quality guys geniuses some of them are super intelligent i mean i, I, I don't know if you ever met matt Breeley, but 
he's now off working on like NASA stuff or like you know <laughs> space stuff. We're using the, some of the technologies from Nuke, like projections and and stitching uh, images together, like super you know high quality images and building like topology of 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 some of these planets. And you know it, it like super intelligent people that you know if they're not valued or treasured or like you know kind of looked after. They, they'll they'll take their skills and elsewhere you know someone Absolutely. else will appreciate and, it yeah. and the other interesting thing I, I i thought was that when you do find that you can't stay late all the time you do start to really rethink your efficiency because one guy i worked with quite early on and he mm-hmm. you know he had kids and he he came in, he'd come in early come in at eight and he'd work till five and he'd leave at five like on, mm. he had to leave at five because you know the mm. nurseries fine you if you're yeah exactly uh-huh. and uh he got more done than most of the other comps, right? In that time, right. he just worked go. it out. He just worked out the time. There was no faffing about. Once he put, you know, he was quite chatty and he could be very, you know, very um, talkative. Yeah. But when there was shit to do, he put on his headphones and you know, got on he it. wouldn't turn his round, and and it yeah. would all just kind of get done. So yeah. there, it's uh, not necessarily that you're working less. Sometimes you're doing, you know, at the end it. of the day, people just need to look at output. And sometimes there was that yeah. focus on who's staying late you know maybe they're working yeah. harder but you know no look, that, look it doesn't shots. it doesn't yeah it doesn't equate um you know a lot of the, we've all been there where um you know you've been hitting your head against a brick wall and the later you stay doesn't make that brick wall disappear you know like you kind of need to sleep on it you might need to go away and come back you know it might need to scrap everything you've done and start again you know it's um uh the, the idea of just doing more for longer just no, it's not. Not it's not in the creative industries. I don't think that is a prerequisite of being good in a. You know, it's and but it, 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 there was a culture where that was the norm. You know, and I'm glad that a lot of people are kind of. And it might be just because of our like my peer group and the age that I'm at now. A lot of people do have children that I'm noticing that they just, you know, they're cutting it and just saying, look, I've got to go. Um, that are kind of forcing that change, but um. Yeah, I'm glad that other people are noticing it, taking note, and actually taking action because uh, it can it can be an exploitive industry. You know, it can be. I, I, I'm not gonna, you know, say it's it's, it's 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 you know it's all roses or it's all bad. But um, there's definitely the, the uh, it's like a lot of the um, we us us we are kind of at the bottom of the rung. And uh, we do get a short stick a lot of the time and a lot of the pressures do fall on our shoulders. And that's not just like nuke artists, I'm talking producers as well and and runners and, you know, everybody that's on the ground, like doing the work, like 3D artists, CG artists, whatever it might be. Um, and that isn't always fair, you know? And, um, you yeah, know, kind of need to start taking a bit more accountability on that front, you know? Absolutely. And you, you worked together putting a raid card together. Yeah. You, you yeah. pushed for this idea, um, speaking to Beck to, and one mm. of the interesting, most interesting things I heard about this rate card, and we'll post a link, but was half the people that looked at it were like, this is ridiculous. These rates are way too high. I've never earned that yeah. much in my life. And yeah. the other half were like, this is so low. I would never work. I would never accept a rate this bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you see that's i think i think that's the beauty of it like because it gets the discussion going even if even if like because we've done our research we got our data 
um, and we sifted it through. I actually, you know, I sifted it through and kind of like pulled it, pulled it aside, and we got our averages, our mean, median, and like that, our, our mediums of of a, uh, you know, of, of 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 the high, low, and mid ranges and stuff like that. And um, and 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 then we broke him up. In, well, so we had different disciplines originally, but then we found out there was like you know maybe ten pound, twenty pound difference between them. And this is specifically around the freelancer because we've done the salary one afterwards. Um, the freelancer one was first um simply because the, the pa being on paye there's a bunch of benefits that you get so you get your sick days you get your you know you get your holidays you get you get um uh, the other benefits within the work you get, you get that 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 kind of compensate so it's never a like for like you know a lot of people just kind of multiply a freelancer's salary and say oh it should be that as a salary it's, it doesn't quite work like that because even as a freelancer you're work's not guaranteed for the whole year even on the basic level you know absolutely so, and, and for anyone outside the uk pay is pay as you earn so yes, you're paying yeah. your tax as you get your it, paycheck exactly so you get your tax you year to, and then you pay all the tax in one big fat lump that's right that's right so yeah as a freelancer you got your your income tax your corporation tax you got your your um uh VAT and, and and your national insurance if depending on your account and you can be a below the threshold. Um, but that's all technical. So yeah, but the point is that you have to kind of manage your stuff yourself. Um, so yeah, there's, 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 it wasn't, it's, it wasn't just quite a simple case of just getting salary numbers and dividing it to get a day, a day rate for a freelancer, or it wasn't a, a case of getting a freelancer's rate and multiplying it to get a, 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 a PAYE salary. So we had to separate them, but the, 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 the main, the main thing about it was that the data that we came up with, whether it was right or wrong, it would at least get the conversation going. And again, it's not like it's, you know, the tablet, Moses's tablets that are etched in stone. We can develop it and we can update it. We, there's, there's things like inflation. You know, there's a there's a rate of inflation that we need to account for year on year. Um, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of other factors, even if we wanted to just get pull more people into that uh, data pool. As long as we're kind of um, the, the the people are aware of it and they have a starting point, have a baseline to at least start the negotiation when they go into these um, these these meetings. Because again, you know, a, a lot of the time I was guessing what I was worth. You know, I don't know what the man sitting next to me or the man over there. You know, sometimes we might have conversations depending on how close we are to our to your peers, but it's not something that we just freely are aware of or offer up. And um, I think in, in this industry, knowing your value is kind of like paramount to um, not being taken, being exploited or taken advantage of. And you've got to separate it from ego, both like inflated ego and even often that sort of imposter syndrome as well. You've just got to mm. kind of go like, this is the this is the rate. You've got yeah. to think of yourself the same as your plumber or your electrician. Your plumber exactly. electrician doesn't go... You know, am I the best plumber in the world? You know, they're just like, there I'm a go. plumber, I'm there unblocking you your sink, I'm charging you this much for it. Exactly. So if exactly. I can do it, I'm going to charge you this rate. And if yeah. I can't do it, then I'm not qualified to do it. So yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's, and, and, and there's so many other industries, A, that that information is widely known or um is 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 kind of like um that is just standardized you know and uh there's there, i think i think we was very shy or we was kind of um conditioned to make have it as a bit of a taboo to talk about and and not and 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 not you know kind of 
yeah discuss or have on the table and and i think that was something there's a first point of call needed to kind of get addressed and at least kind of you know at least have something out there and it's not and, and to be honest with you you know to, just explained it's not really about me um it's about the 19 18 year old version of me getting in the industry because those are the guys that end up having to do the, the menial tasks for like five years and then you know only then get a break and you know then it's still minimal kind of increments and they're at a company hoping that they get them to get a pay rise and you know they they need to know what they're they're, they're worth in this industry before they get into it you know so um even though they've got the mid and the senior plus rates of the people above the senior level rates i think it's more important for juniors and and mids uh you know just as long as you know that they this is what your 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 you you should feel confident asking this as a starting point and um yeah there, there's and and if you know point to this like blame us or blame blame better or whatever if you feel if 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 you get too much pushback and just say well look this is what they've kind of put out it and we could discuss it and and we can update it and you know we was happy for anybody to come to the table and have a discussion with us but this is that's that's the information that we pulled together and and extracted yeah because employees mm. aren't putting this information they're advertising roles and you almost never see a salary put next to it which i think mm -hmm. is is kind of wrong it's always just come in there and say you know how much do you want mm, and yeah, then you're basically. like you know you don't know what to say yep uh and, and it can be quite an intimidating conversation to have definitely um, especially as you start to sort of you know you're it, it, and it can often more likely reflect your own sort of self-esteem or yeah. background more than your actual skill set Exactly. Um, so exactly. having that bit of knowledge means you can actually make rational, you know, you can actually tell, say, say things that are, that make sense, that are fair. That's it. That's you know, it. This is the right. Yeah. And, and, and another thing I'd point out as well is that it's, it's, um, when it comes down to your rates or your salary or, or, or how much money you're going to be able to take home at the end of the day, that isn't, there's no, I mean, there is politics behind it, but that is kind of like, an equalizer for all so whether i'm whether i'm uh uh um a mother a returning to work mother whether i'm you know uh from a underprivileged background whether i'm um you know just fresh out of university or whether 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 i'm transitioning from a uh you know another adjacent industry or whatever um at least i know that everybody should be getting this as a base rate or as a base and 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 i think once you kind of address that then that exploit that exploit that that room for exploitation kind of gets minimalized like you there's no there, there's less um i mean obviously there's going to be other things around it there's other there's other there's other um yeah like you know issues around employment and being able to get a good uh opportunity in industry and you know progression routes and so forth but the as a baseline if i'm at least let me know what i'm worth when i wake it up in the morning and go to work everything else you know comes secondary but as a as a as a baseline if i'm gonna turn up for you um at least let me know that i'm getting a, at least a fair a fair a fair pay for that um and, and then you know we could discuss the other issues afterwards i saw you as well on a talk um uh, just uh during the the when black lives matter was taking off and foundry put a talk together and brought some artists in discussing yeah. issues as that we're very in our industry mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. 
So as obviously it kicked off a bunch of discussions that weren't limited to the specific case of police brutality and yes. so on. So I wanted to know um, what kind of issues you might have felt were relevant. I mean, obviously people can go to the full discussion for to get yeah, really in depth. Exactly. I was wondering what sort of things are. I mean, um, it, it's 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 less. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's there's um, there's issues within our industry, um, definitely. Um, I mean, if anybody working at any one of these companies, um, you'd have to ask yourself how many um, black uh, members, senior members of staff, do you have that aren't in like HR or accounting or something like that. Let's say, like, let's say creative directors or, or um, you know, like uh, CEOs or uh, operating officers or whatever it might be. Like how many of those people of color or, or varied backgrounds do you see? And, 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 and the fact is that there's a glass ceiling for um, us in, in, within this industry. And then not, but, but it's not, limited to this industry it's actually a systemic thing there's a there's a supremacy the ruling um kind of status quo that 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 keeps prevents that kind of progression or that equal because we're not we're, we're not all born with equal circumstances and and it's no it's no secret that um black people or like you know people like myself have come from uh, probably a lower socioeconomic background than than others, and my entry into this industry is going to be very different to to somebody else's. You know, like I said, I witnessed a lot of the uh, nepotism and um, the, the, the 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 prefer preferential treatment and stuff like that. I've you know I witnessed it, and this is a thing that as you know as a, as a whole um, we've we've become accustomed to and again it's not it's not right but we've kind of accepted it or like the on, on, on the surface they've always been accepted as the norm and it's just oh it is what it is and to be honest like a lot of my peers um black people of my skill level and uh, 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 ability in the industry are freelancing and i don't think that's a i don't think that's an, a, a a coincidence i think there's a lot of people that felt like me where there was only so much progression uh, available to us within a company and we've kind of you know taken our skills just uh, to the highest bidder kind of thing because at the end of the day I, I personally don't want to have to deal with the internal politics I just want to come in do my work get a good get good good fair pay for it and then go home and then you know deal with you know the the, the, the things that are more important the creative to me. and technical aspects are enough to occupy your mind you don't need yes politics as well Exactly, exactly. And um, all the microaggressions and everything that you see on a day to day. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it, you just don't, um, it, it's, it's extra. You know what I mean? As a, it's, it's other, it's, 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 it's unnecessary. Yeah. And, and well, what, is a, what, what is a, a microaggression? Yeah. All right. Let's say something, a viral moment. Let's say um, something happens, uh, a, vir a viral moment happens. Let's say the George Floyd incident or whatever. You in that you being the one black person in that room of ten people or whatever, you are now seen. You are now the spokesperson for that issue or the person that needs to articulate and defend or um, even you know uh, be able to have a debate. Let's say against the use of the word Black Lives Matter. You know those. I'm sure there's there's a bunch of people that have had those conversations in the offices and or why diversity and inclusion is important or um you know you could be uh i mean you know you can get down to the trivial stuff where um 
you know your your you and your peer uh, uh, are working the same job one gets a bonus this year and the other one oh there's a few issues this that and the third you didn't get this or you could be you know like of of instances where you know you, you you might be talking to women or like having a conversation with a woman and now you're flirting or somebody sees from afar oh, he's a ladies man and it's like actually no i'm just having a conversation i'm being polite um or you know there could be uh things like um just uh like let's say for example um music tastes you know you get you, you, something a song gets played and there's a whole bunch of stuff in there that might make you cringe as a black person but to, uh, tom over there loves it because he's into you know whatever's whatever's popular at the moment and it's just like oh you know I, like jokes like it could be it could be a yeah, joke that's sort of jokes all kinds of because it doesn't when it when we say microaggressions it doesn't even because on a women level um you know it could be stuff like oh your hair looks nice today or like let me touch your hair like this is interesting oh i haven't seen this or you know tell me about or or even um oh i've got I've got black friends or, you know, like, and then trying to, or like, oh, what's that oh, well you eating? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you back. <laughs> all, of, all of that sort of stuff. Or what are you eating today? Oh, that looks interesting. Uh, that, or that's, oh, that smells. All those kind of things are just microaggressions that you kind of have to deal with and almost ignore on a day-to-day. -day. Like, and it could be as trivial as, it could be as trivial as, um, yeah, like I, 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 I watched uh, the, you know, the latest, the, the latest uh, Black Panther film and for coming into the office doing Wakanda whatever to the one black person in the office, or um, it could be as serious as you know, like oh, go and do this or go and do that for me or you know, because you, you, and and I'm pointing to you out of a room full of 10 people this is your fault kind of thing uh, and everybody else has you know made the same or like there's other people that made mistakes that's all that's microaggressions I, I sometimes think that the best way people could avoid doing that sort of thing without thinking politically is simply mm. just just imagine just just in your head imagine there's, there's okay there's only one black person in this office and everyone else is white but mm. just imagine for a second before you speak just imagine that you're the only white person yes everyone is black Yes. And now think, would I say this thing? Would I exactly. send this gag? Would I, you know, do this gesture? Exactly. How if, would that... In that situation. And if yeah. you wouldn't, then just don't do it. And, 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 and to be honest with you, that is the thing, is that the empathy is, 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 the, is the empathy, being able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and not everybody else has, not everybody has that. You'd be surprised. Like I can, I can hear something and be like, oh, that's, that's, that's a shame. That's sad. Or, oh, that, that's unfair. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. But actually to put myself in those shoes and be like, you know what, that is, that's a tough road. Like that's unfair. Or I'm going to speak up for it because, all right, let's take another example. I've had to work on projects where in uh, like an Asian project, a Chinese um, or, or an Asian project, East Asian uh, project. And um, for one of the markets, no, it was a South African project, but for the, for the market that was going to Asia, they had to swap the characters from um, the swap, the black characters for blonde white characters. Okay, so you had to do the project twice. And this, this is a thing that happens, right? Now, as me as an artist, I'm looking at this thinking, but why? Maybe this is the problem, that you, you don't push back and you keep on going, you keep on doing these things and, and, and reinforcing the stereotype that whites are right and these mixed-race black people aren't, you know? I, I get it. I get it. I mean, I, I, I'm half Iranian, so I get 
although I've never had yeah. anyone be racist to me, and I think ha- having mm. a name like Daniel Miller rather than like Mahmoud Motazavi or something is right. a lot easier. Okay. But I do have that understanding of the content itself. You know, sometimes you're working on a thing, and and the portrayal of Middle Eastern people in film right. is oh, not man. good. Oh, mate. They, <laughs> it's not I, good. I mean, so go... many films people will talk about, and they'll be raving about like three hundred yeah. or. Um, you know, even even those old Rambo films and those oh, that man. whole era of those army films like uh, Indiana Jones and all of that, where you know they they had all the Arab the the uh, Middle Eastern people were there. Were yeah, there. it was all well, political. The... It's all very yeah. There's a, there's a really good documentary. If anyone's interested in that particular angle, is called Real Bad Arabs. Right um, there, you go. I'd recommend it. There's a book and there's a documentary. Mm. And it's worth worth checking out, and there's, uh, yeah. there's some of the connections involved in that. It's quite fascinating. Hundred percent, and 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 bottom line, it all comes down to a a, 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 a a white status quo, a white supremacy, where they they are the heroes or the the you know the the, the um. I think the words protagonist, but they are the heroes of the story, and you, and everybody else is othered, and this is so. It's been so tightly woven into society and the industry and the fabric of everything that it's you know we can have these discussions but it's not until it's not going to change overnight and it's probably not going to change in my lifetime but one thing that i do i am happy about is that the 2020 black lives matter george floyd incident has got the topic on has, has made the topic for brought it to the forefront already my children are watching more diverse programs than I was afforded when I was a child like all of our media magazines um all the boy all the all the music the pop music all the all the um everything in this country was 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 very like one way you know it wasn't it wasn't very mixed I was you know uh and I have I, I can see a shift in that already with the stuff that my children are watching and I, and 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 also the amount of people that showed up or at least were letting their voices be heard, and that not from our community, like not from black people, or like just around that were saying, you know what, this has been going on for too long, and it's it, we've noticed it, and it's not right, and we need to start making steps to make it better or more equal. You know that has created a change or a tide, and I love it, and I think the the future, it might not be something that I'll see, but it, I'd, I'd like to know. I'd, I'd like to know that it's been put on the right course, or at least that you know steps are being made. That's good. I'm glad we got we took the we finished on a sort of positive note, and I'm yeah. hoping that I mean there may be a backlash, but I'm hoping that you know things are going to keep moving. The, yeah, and exactly. So, with you as in your in your role, what's uh, been the most sort of what are the projects you're the most proud of? Wow. Yeah. No, there's been a few, man. Um, uh, there's been a few. I mean. I like, I've I've always because one of one of the one of the goals that I set out with, um, like when I first got into the industry, like I'm talking about the teenager, was that like, wanted my name on a film credit. So I'll be honest with you, whenever I get a, a, a credit on a, on a on a role or whatever, I do I, you know I do I, I, I do take a bit of pride in that. Um, I think the film that I done I worked on last year called um, No Way Out with a unit. Um, as a Netflix film, I was quite proud because that was quite heavy CG, like comping. It was quite technical. Like, it's quite, yeah, it was quite difficult. But I worked, I worked with a really good team, and and I was quite proud of that work. Um, there's been what kind of CG was it? Is it environments, creatures, creatures, creature, environment, um, 
uh, there's a couple props on the set um it was it was just but the thing the beauty of it was that it was shot really well and this is the thing that i find to really kind of be the best version of yourself like you kind of need to be given the best conditions and tools to be able to work you know we're like a chef we're like a chef compositing is like being a chef right mm, yes you know, if all you've got is the expired stuff from yesterday yes. you know you can be the best chef but that's what you've got exactly exactly no it's if you're true. a bad chef you're going to ruin it whatever you get but if you're a good 100%. chef and you get quality ingredients then yes you can smash yeah. it exactly and, and and the end result is you know it's going to be um and, and it's rewarding it's rewarding i remember there was one um kind of uh it was fk twigs campaign that i worked on and this was over christmas period um i was freelancing and again because i was freelancing and and, and uh, i wasn't uh, i took time off of work i was like going in on weekends and stuff like that it's commercial projects and um it was hard like the, the work was tough um but you know, one like in the new year, um, one day I'm coming out of Oxford Circus and I'm seeing the advert playing on a big on a big billboard or whatever um, on on uh, in in Oxford Circus. I'm like, damn, that's quite cool. You know, like I worked on that. That was, that's my stuff. Um, there's been a couple wins like in terms of fires that I've helped put out and the end results come out good. Um, and I've had to kind of really be a bit you know, creative with that. And uh, this is been... a classic freelancer thing, being, yeah. a, being a firefighter. Right? Oh, so, yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, and, and again, it's one of those terms, if you're not familiar with it, it basically means we call in someone because we know they're good because mm. the project is in a bad situation. That's the, yeah. the, the fire. And then sure. you're called in like the wolf man. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> to sort wolf. stuff out what did you say yeah yeah that's no, it's true um yeah no exactly I, 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 there's been a couple of um scenarios like that that have been a bit rewarding and um i mean there's it, uh, it's it's funny because i never i never really get a chance to dwell on it i mean it, I, I'll, I'll be honest so obviously creatively there's there's things that I'm proud of, but in terms of just the journey and and and, and out of all everything, like I really, my time at the foundry, I think was, I would call it like an apprenticeship phase for me where I was learning on the job and I was exposed to so much. And, you know, I, I've, I've, I, I was able to travel to Russia, to Israel, to, you know, like islands in the Philippines. Um, and I, I've never, like, I, every now and then I'll look back at pictures and I'll be like, man, that's that's a little kid from Southeast London, you know, just kind of <laughs> figured it out and got, got a good break. And he's, you know, he's got all of these memories to kind of share with his children when he's when he's older. And, um, you know, it's, I, and, and, and uh, you know, I definitely thank the foundry. I mean, even Japan and Korea and stuff like that. Like, I've had some great, great memories that I can, you know, sit back and, you know, when I'm, when I'm in my That's rocking chair, yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah, dad done that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I remember, yeah, I remember seeing you on those, all those videos. We're going to have to go down memory lane with those, all the little mm. presentations. <laughs> the, the big events, you know, in uh, Leicester Square. Yeah. With launches. Yeah. It's been, yeah, well, it's been a been a long journey, man. Been a long journey, yeah. but it's been fun. Do you miss that it. standing up on stage, the sort of doing uh, that? Uh, do I miss it? Yes and no. Um, I mean, yes, as in the adventure and the the nerves, because again, like I was saying, with the whole pressure idea, um, there's there's a there's there's an element of adrenaline 
yeah, that's probably the best word of of, of describing it as an element of adrenaline, like Jesus. But then you you know you go into it and you kind of almost just 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 go on autopilot and you don't really you only really kind of take it in when the adrenaline goes. You're like, oh Jesus, that that was a that was a room full of five hundred people or whatever it might have been. That was all you know, and they all kind of clapped at the end of it, and it's quite a nice rewarding feeling. But um, so I missed that buzz. Um, and obviously the traveling and stuff like that, but there was always a creative um, void. Like it wasn't, it wasn't creative enough for me. It was very technical, and the people that I was talking to only wanted solutions to to to, to problems. Um, it wasn't a case of um, oh, I've created this beautiful thing, or I've created this mm. this magical world, or I've I've put my touch on X Y Z. You know, that's a that's that's kind of what was a bit missing from that aspect of the industry or that aspect of the role i should say yeah no, i do okay. like people and i do like talking and i do like kind of like that was that's that's you know it's it's, it's a it's a it's a fine line because you know sometimes i like to be locked in a room but sometimes i do like the interaction and uh you know yeah i think we all need a balance i mean you know mm. we all need that that sort mm. of connection of we're in this industry to do creative work and produce stuff, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's also good to just talk about it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just socialise. I mean, it's because um, I'm, I'm working remotely at the moment, but it's been uh, there's there's a couple drinks coming up over Christmas, and I've always it's been tough with the children, like getting out and stuff. But um, I'm gonna make an effort to kind of see, you know, kind of get get back into the mix of things, and just at least you know, just see some see some faces, man, and just shoot. Yeah, shoot the shoot the breeze. Yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, definitely. When you're in town, uh, you know, give us a shout. Yeah, no, I'd be so. more than happy. Yeah, it'd be good. It'd be good. Cool, man. Well, I think we've kind of gone through like all the things we wanted to cover. Uh, but I guess my what we always like to end with is mm. say you've got that that young person who, I mean, obviously it's in 2022, so things are a little mm. bit different. Mm-hmm. But you've got that kid who's just like you, 19 years mm-hmm. old. Mm-hmm. What do you say to them as their advice if they're interested in VFX? Um, yeah, I, I the, the the thing, the, the 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 biggest change or the biggest opportunity I would say at the moment is being able to do more off your own back and not kind of wait for the opportunity because I was very reliant on that and I think in this day and age, whether it's just get downloaded. Sorry, downloading the free software, um, going on YouTube, teaching yourself. There's so much resources and things. Um, you know, get familiar, become, get skillful, and then also get to the point where you you can skip the runner stage. Like I, I, I think it's a bit of a. Um, I don't know. I'm not. I, 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 in this day and age, I personally think that job. Now, this is not to devalue anybody that's doing it at the moment. I don't want to kind of, you know, speak down on it, but I think it's it's a bit redundant. I think if you've got, if you're a skilled, if you've come out of university and you've you spent money and time learning skills, um, being the person that goes to get the lunch or the tea and, you know, the petty cash and all those kinds of things, that's not the best use of your skills. That's not the best, best use of your time. Um, I know a bunch of kids that get the opportunity at 19, like fresh out of university to get on the machine and they're damn good like they're 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 super talented and and to think that they're not being utilized properly is just a waste of you know it's not it's not it's not a really good use of resources so i i i would always say get skilled get skillful 
get um, uh, teach yourself, be self um, reliant, and get on the get get. Um, I mean, the freelancing thing's tough, but if you can get a mentor or somebody that can vouch for you, it doesn't have to be tough because there's a lot of work out there. There's a lot of work out there, so maybe you need to go on LinkedIn, find find somebody that's you know open to talk to you, and you know build a rapport with someone, and then they might be able to recommend you if if you're of a standard, or if you're you know, or even just get you up to a standard. Um, I think I think that people being more accessible now is probably the bit the best resource that you could have at the moment and uh linkedin yeah linkedin i think is great i think it's a great resource don't don't sleep on it um yeah awesome man well thank you yeah. so much for um coming on the podcast i'm glad no we problem. finally got it together yeah and, no it's been uh, uh, yeah, yeah it's we'll been definitely busy. get you back uh talk uh, yeah books and, and catch up with uh what you've been up to Sure, sure. So, yeah, I'd be more than happy to, man. I mean, I appreciate it. And uh, you guys, like I said, you're doing great work. I love this uh, platform that you guys are doing. And um, keep it up, man. And, uh, you know, Kofi as well, like, send, send my love to him. And you guys just keep on plugging away. I know you, I've, I've definitely watched some of your uh, some of your, your shows whilst I've been working. And uh, it's super entertaining. Thanks, Courtney. And that's a good, like, segue to say everyone that's watching, you've got this far. You know, like, subscribe, share, tell people about it. We're trying mm -hmm. to grow it if we mm -hmm. can grow it we can keep doing it and that's what Good. we want so uh, thank you so much nope thank you daniel appreciate you man you. and uh yeah we'll, we'll 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 be in touch i'm sure